0: Welcome to our CyberWise Chats, where we talk about the challenges of raising and teaching digital kids. I'm Diana Graber, author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics, Join every episode with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Our always lively conversations tackle topics like cyberbullying, screen time, TikTok, and everything in between. We've got some great guests, and promise each chat will give you the tips, tricks, and confidence you need to help kids use technology safely and wisely. So, hi, you guys. How are you today? Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Diana Graber, the author of Raising Humans in a Digital World: Helping Kids Build a Healthy Relationship with Technology, and founder of Cyberwise and Cyber Civics. Here today with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology. Research Center and Arias Collins, who's our community manager at Cyberwise. Um, As always, um, Arias will be taking care of our chat box. We really encourage your comments and questions and she's going to interrupt us when they come. (laughs) So feel free to put them in there. So today's topic is a rather hot one. Is Instagram really destroying your child's self-esteem? So you probably heard about the recent Facebook files. It's yielded a ton of headlines. A couple of which I, I can say that I'm I contributed to before reading all of the research, which was a big mistake. Um, anyway, but you know, as we all know and we saw during COVID, social media is great at connecting us to one another. But it can also unfortunately create unrealistic expectations of beauty, especially when young people see constant images of others edited to perfection. Um, as we'll talk about today, social comparison, which Pam will tell us about. It's entirely normal, but that doesn't mean it's always positive, especially when young people compare themselves with others in a way that can make them feel inadequate. All right, so before we dive into this hot topic, Pam, I want to talk a little bit about the Facebook files. This is where Facebook's internal research. Um, While I do this, Aries is going to share a link from Fair Play that shows a really great summary of the research. So I don't know if you remember the whole thing here, I know Pam does, but the the whistleblower came out and talked about this. And then about 10 days later, we saw the actual research from Facebook. And what took me aback is that um, their study on body image and social comparison, and stay with me here, because this is important. Uh, It was an in-person focus group of 15, 13 to 21 year olds who already identified as having low body image and self-esteem. It was a diary of only 10 monthly Instagram users and in-depth interviews, 30 minutes, in-depth interviews of seven of those diary participants. So those are tiny, tiny, tiny numbers and not peer reviewed. So I think that's super important to start out looking at. So, don't you agree,
1: Pam? Oh, absolutely. And that was, I was thinking about knowing we were going to start with the Facebook files is that I should have been looking very stern, you know, <laughs> as, as we opened up, because this is a super important topic. And They got such headlines. So the big lesson from this is what you discovered, Diana, is that you have to have critical thinking when you see people talking about research because journalists like headlines and the headlines are often misleading. So the first thing I want to remind everyone is that this research, terrible numbers, terrible methodology, it was also not causal. In other words, then things were related Related is not the same thing as causing something. That means that relationship can go either way. And it and it doesn't mean that there aren't other things going on. But the real problem was that they asked biased and leading questions. Do you think Instagram has a negative effect on your mental health? It reminds me of the old joke. What's the matter with the other tie? Because it's it totally frames what, you know, that it's mental health, that it's negative, and that it's Instagram's fault. And so you would be an idiot to not say, well, yeah, it's terrible, especially given our innate cognitive biases. Uh, We have a tendency to take a negative point of view. Uh, We also have a very self-serving bias, don't you love the name of that one, that says that we have the tendency to give ourselves credit for success and blame all the failures outside, right? Which means that Instagram was totally set up. Now, I'm not saying you should put your pitchforks away no. when it <laughs> comes to Instagram and Facebook, but I am saying it, that it's- I
0: wanna throw in there a really quick, Pam, too. Like that's so important, but also just really underscore the fact that they chose kids who already self-reported as having these issues. Right. So, wow. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so you're asking kids who said they had problems with body image if they had problems with body image. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to get a you know pretty high response rate on that. Um, you know, the other thing is that is that they made all these dogmatic statements. There was a great article by a psychologist, Stuart Ritchie, who said that the title of this argument or this article should have been Facebook thinks that Instagram is toxic for some teen girls, depending on the basis of asking those teen girls about their opinions. In other words, oh, it yeah, was <laughs> right. So not exactly a you know a catchy headline, right. but you know here we have we're coming out of a pandemic. Yeah. They've targeted girls who already have problems, and then they're we're extrapolating it not just to the population whole. We're equating it with the cigarette companies hiding research, empirical research about the effects of nicotine on tobacco on cancer yeah. totally totally different arenas and so like i said i'm not i'm not arguing that facebook is a great thing necessarily i'm just saying
0: take we have do, to be uh, very yeah take a step back and look at the big picture and that's what we're trying to present here so uh, it's so important to do that before we jump into this hot topic there there was one other thing in the research that i wanted to point out because i found this pretty interesting too um, so we saw the headlines about instagram wanting to cause some girls to commit suicide. I saw plenty of headlines like that. So this is where that came from. Out of more than 2,500 teenage Instagram users surveyed in the UK and US, 16 total respondents reported suicidal thoughts that they said started with Instagram. Because of the way the data was sliced and diced in Facebook's internal slides, those 16 people, less than 1% of all respondents, became the ultimate source of stories that reported 6% of teens in the US and 13% in the UK blamed Instagram for suicidal thoughts. Now, I know that's hard to, to follow when I'm doing this with words you know, in a podcast, but the bottom line is it's how you interpret the data and the data was not very you know, reliable. Like we interpreted it incorrectly. I'm responsible too. And I think the fact that it's such small numbers is not to say that that's not important because any kid wanting to commit suicide because of something on Instagram is worth worrying about. But we can take a deep breath that it's not a very large number of children.
1: And there's such a good lesson here because we talk a lot about critical thinking and media literacy when we're talking about kids and having them understand, you know, who's behind an advertisement and really looking under the hood. And this is a one of those cases where it looks like it's very serious, right? We tend to believe things with numbers. We tend to believe things. If we imagine there's a guy with a lab coat that, you know, was, is saying it, but we really have to look at what's going on. So, you know, I just want to say that we are more than happy. If you hear about a study when you have some questions like, well, I heard this study that, you know, Facebook causes this, or that, you know, Snapchat causes that. Send it our way so that we can look at it and help make sense out of it. Some of the studies are finding legitimate things, but for the most part, they're extrapolating very small numbers into very big effects. I, I see that all the time.
0: Even in peer-reviewed studies, if you take a close look, some of them have tiny, tiny numbers. And I mean, that to me, that doesn't seem like a very representative piece of research. Um, I did want to- well, play- one more thing real quickly, Pam, and I think Marius is going to put the link in in our um, notes here in our chat. But there is a great study from 2021 that's a little bit different from Facebook's internal findings. It's a nationally representative sample um, that used a recognized scale to measure depression. And in that study, 43% of the kids said that using social media usually makes them feel better, not worse. Uh, when they're depressed, stressed, or anxious. And remember, we're in a pandemic, right? So this is important. Uh, the rest said it made no difference either way. 17%, only 17% said it made them feel worse. So in that study, which was a large number of kids, nationally representative, peer-reviewed, you know, the large majority of kids turned to Instagram to feel better about themselves. So we've got to keep that in mind. And again, don't put away the pitchforks. You know, there are some right. things we should be bummed out about. But we can take a deep breath and know that the sky is not falling.
1: Right. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on, on all kinds of social media. What we're focusing on today, though, is the stuff that cause harm to self-esteem. We're going to talk about what is self-esteem. And I think, uh, Diana, you were going to talk about some of the uh, top line findings. And boy, talk about a self-inflicted wound that Facebook <laughs> would even do research like this. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: So I just want to make sure um, you mentioned something about online therapy, therapy.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I I was I was trying to understand, you know, where all this stuff was coming from, and I, you know, looking at the Facebook data, and I came, got an email in my inbox about confirming the Facebook study. And so I emailed them and I said, I'd like to see the methodology and the data. And so they gave me a link that showed me what the questions were, which were just like, you know, how does Facebook and Instagram contribute to your, you know, negative mental health? You know, do you have depression? Do you have they just, I mean, they were fishing. And when you go fishing, you catch things. And so it was, you know, it was sad because they're now confirming a study that isn't, isn't confirmable Mm -hmm. uh, by equally bad methodology.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking that would be a great chat. Is how how to evaluate research. I mean, very oh yeah. you would
1: get three people going. Whoa, that's a good one.
0: It's such an important thing to know how to do because there is just so much, you know, misinformation online, and we all fall for it. And it'd be good to
1: know how to filter through it so that we're not sharing. Absolutely. Well, my parting advice on research is: there's a big difference between statistically significant and material right? So something can be statistically significant and still not affect very many people. So, you know, just keep that in mind.
0: And also the difference between causal and correlational. Yes. Because I think that's the big thing when it comes to social media. Is it causing things or is there a correlation there? And and we see that a lot in the research. Yes. All right. So we're going to put that away for now um, and go to our core question here. How do unrealistic images of beauty and excessive filtering impact the mental health of young people today, or do they? And and I just want to start this by saying, I spent the day yesterday with my two daughters who are in their early 20s, and they said, okay, first of all, what kid doesn't feel terrible about their body? Like, it's just the nature of being a young adolescent. And they're, you know, when my kids were little, it was going to Vogue magazine saying, oh, my gosh, I do not look like any of these people. And today it's Instagram, same old story. So kind of just where kids are developmentally at that point. Um, yeah. And I just want to say quickly, read the quote that came from the Facebook whistleblower, uh, social comparison and bodies. That's what Instagram is about, uh, people's lifestyles. And that's what ends up being the worst for kids. And, uh, let's start by talking about what about Instagram makes this kind of jump out from the other social media networks.
1: Uh, well, sure. Instagram, um, and you can talk about the algorithms and the way things are shared, but Instagram is very visual. And when things are visual, we react much more emotionally than when we're having to read text. So we look at something and we we compare it to ourselves. Social comparison, totally normal thing. It worked great when we were wandering around the savannah. It was, our brains were not designed. Or social media environment so we're reacting trying to figure out what are the social norms by evaluating the social landscape and we're doing that emotionally and intuitively with pictures which causes us to have a skewed idea of what is the norm and what is acceptable because we're also judging how popular something is by likes and comments and how much attention it gets right and you know so we're we're um, we're continually making these kinds of judgments, which puts us in a very difficult position if that's what we take as sort of the gold standard of how to be popular or how to be good or how to be attractive or whatever uh, sort of superficial superficial measure that we're using.
0: Right. And I think, you know, it's important to remember that Instagram's a little different from, say, Snapchat. Snapchat is so, you know, you put your picture up, people laugh at it, it goes away. Instagram, it doesn't go away. It stays there as part of your profile. It's very image driven. Again, kids are looking for those likes or validations or shares or comments. So you're getting that instant feedback on something that's very visual. Um, So, And this whole idea of like freaking out about it right now to me is kind of funny because this is an old story. There was a really good piece of research done. Um, In fact, I wrote about it in my book. I, I pulled a little excerpt because I happened to interview you about this Pam. A long time ago, 2015, this study came out. Uh, According to the Status of Mind survey published in the UK by the Royal Society for Public Health, seeing friends constantly on holiday and enjoying nights out can make young people feel like they're missing out on real life. Um, Individuals may view heavily Photoshopped, edited, and staged photographs and videos and compare themselves to their seemingly mundane lives. So at that time, Instagram was found to be the worst social media network for young girls' mental health. Which is funny because that study got very little notice. Like you had to kind of look for it, right? And here we are. What is this? Six years later, same information, worse study right. came out, same finding uh, comes out, and now you know we're taking a closer look, finally, at this this whole thing. So,
1: well, yeah, the the whistleblower also had some nice, you know, memeable uh, comments. So yeah. it, it got a lot of lift that way. The social comparison, sweet spot. I mean, and a lot of the things she's describing are just inaccurate. I mean, first of all, she's equating social or Instagram use to the grief cycle. I don't know if she knows what the grief cycle is, but, you know, the grief cycle is, you know, like anger, acceptance, you know, bargaining, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with what she's talking about. So, like I said, these are memorable quotes, but they're not accurate quotes. Yeah.
0: So um, let's talk a little bit about how a parent might know that their kid is being impacted poorly or negatively by Instagram. And I mean, this seems like kind of a silly question to ask because, you know, it's like, how do you know your kid is anything on social media? You have to be curious. You have to ask and you have to notice and see what they're looking at. Right. But um, are there signs, telltale signs that parents should look out for?
1: Yeah, I I mean, there's, there certainly are. And and I'm going to once again, say, you know, that caveat that, that as your, as your daughters talked about a certain amount of um, emotional flexibility or fluctuation is very normal in, in teenagers, especially after, you know, what we've been through. So if your kid is sort of wandering around or depressed or something like that, you know, by all means talk to them, but don't automatically assume it is because of social media. In fact, nothing is ever just the single cause. There can be triggers, but everything is much more global than that. And if you're talking about self-esteem, self-esteem is how we evaluate ourselves, not how we see ourselves. It's how we evaluate ourselves against um, an ideal image. And, you know, is it maybe premature to get on the soapbox about filters? uh, Because that's the one place where I'm not particularly positive. Uh, But but the other things that parents can look for is kids not wanting to socialize once things open up or being hesitant to connect with people where, you know, they're seeing face to face or obsessive stalking of some of the people that they admire online. So you're looking for those kinds of increased uh, behaviors that are out of balance from what was your child's norm.
0: And I think, you know, you mentioned this earlier and the algorithm on Instagram is so important to know about, not only as a parent, but to talk to your kids about it, because Instagram is going to feed you more of what it thinks you like or want to see. So here's what happens when a kid is feeling down. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll look up something regarding hashtag, you know, depression or body image or I'm too fat or whatever. And they're going to start getting that kind of information more and more on their feed. So, you know, no kid likes to be used by social media and they need to know how algorithms happen so that they can make sure that they make them unhappen because there's ways to do that too. Knowledge is power. So it's really important to talk to your kids about that. The other point I would say is every kid is so different. Like this, you know, social media requires a lot of resilience and some kids are just born resilient (laughs) and some kids it takes a little longer. And I know, you know, I have two daughters I raised exactly the same. One was really impacted by images she saw in magazines or on Instagram. The other one doesn't even affect her one iota. I mean, she uses the filters to make herself look so funny and weird as possible, which is her thing, you know, and she doesn't care. So again, you got to stay tuned with your own child and don't expect that your child's going to be like the child next door because absolutely not. They're all different. If
1: you have concerns about the child's self-esteem, and and you're just, you're starting to try and ask t- about it sensitively, right? Don't just make fun of how they're feeling or what they're comparing themselves to, because that just drives things underground. But try and be supportive, because it turns out that social support is one of the biggest determinants of self-esteem. And ironically, people seek search out connection on social media. Which then can also, if they're worried about losing friends or not being popular, damage the self esteem. So, the best tool that parents have is to provide lots of social support offline so that the child feels valued and competent. Because how we think about our skills really offsets how people respond to us on the outside.
0: Yeah. And I would say this is so much of the work we do through Cyber Civics because. We have a place in the classroom where we talk about stereotypes in the media, representation in the media, the face-tuning lesson we're going to give participants today, where kids can talk about what they see, how they feel when they put themselves out there, how everyone feels the same way, what do they do about it. And it really diffuses it and gives them a place to kind of work through it and understand how much is actually filtered and edited on social media, like nearly 90% of the things they see. And it just helps them make sense of a super complicated world. So if you're not doing this at home, I hope that they're doing this in school because the kids really need to talk about social media. I love that you put in the notes, Pam, that our brains are not designed for social media. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you can explain that because I think sometimes parents forget that. Um, It's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our brains are really, are really primitive. And we really just respond to things that we like, things that we see all the time and looking for a sense of connection. So social media, we interpret that, our little brains do as as real, as real friends. And so you really do need that critical thinking element that Diana was talking about to make kids aware so that they don't feel bad about the reaction. That's normal, we all have it, but that they're aware of it so that then they can Step back from it, you know. And one of the things about about the uh, exercise that you're giving out, Diana, that's that's so great, and other exercises as well. Do it with your kids because you will find that you learn things about yourself. And kids think it's hysterical when you're being vulnerable, so it's a great way to explore some of these things, like Facetune and uh, you know Instagram, TikTok, where where you have concerns about the impact on your kids uh, and, and they can learn from watching you make a fool of yourself.
0: Yeah. And I would say adults are not immune to feeling like this uh, sharing compared despair, <laughs> or whatever it's called on social media. It looks like everyone's having their best life ever. And often that's not the case. So, you know, it's a good reminder of the reality of what lives behind the screen. So definitely do it with your children.
1: Um, yeah. I'm oh, sorry
0: you because I, I love this, the filters.
1: Pam is not a, a fan of filters. so Not a fan of filters. Um, yeah. And let me just make one comment about the highlight reels because that's become a big area of concern is highlight reels are just that. They are highlights, right? When you watch highlights of your favorite show, those are the best parts. So the fact that we are somehow comparing ourselves to someone's best moments with our behind the scenes life, absolutely makes no sense so if your kids are really preoccupied with that have them make their own highlights real of the great things in their life and you know have them make a regular life real so that you know to compare the difference between what they're thinking the world is experiencing and, and real life but let's talk filters mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I think Arias has some examples. Facetune is probably the most commonly used filter. Although there are lots of ways of filtering or of, of editing inter- images, Facetune yeah. does it just automatically. Anyone can use it, and of course, there are skills that you can develop, but you don't. It has a very low bar for entry. Yeah, and and I You're... just want to
0: say for parents who aren't familiar with Facetune, it's probably the most popular self-editing software available right now. Uh, during the pandemic, it grew by twenty percent. And it has 1 million to 1.5 million retouched photos exported every single day. So what I talk to my students about a lot is nearly every image you see of a kid that looks great on Instagram is face tuned, and kids know it too. Like, oh, I, I tuned myself. What you know, the vernacular that they use. So, Aries, do you have a second to show us some examples of how Facetune works? Absolutely. Got Aries working behind the scenes here. And again, remember, <laughs> in the chat box, because she will stop and ask us. So it's not just girls that are face tuning, boys face. Right. It's super gentle, you know, in some cases, but you know, this kid is not as wonderful looking <laughs> as he <laughs> appears to be on Instagram. And then I think there's one more and here's a girl that kind of over face tunes. She looks very different um, in her tuned picture to the right. So, you know, kids can do this in a manner of seconds. I think that's great Arius, Thank you. But yeah, kids- this in a matter of seconds it's free it's easy and it's done all the time and um you know critical thinking like kids they'll see this and not maybe realize that everyone's doing this and think gosh everyone looks so much better than i do and i would say this is probably more common with really young kids so i mean if your child's using social media before 13 first of all i don't think they should be but if they are you definitely need to have these conversations
1: uh, and, and the thing to think about, you know, we worry about social comparison, but we're talking about comparing ourselves to others and and they're tuned or not tuned or they're just won the genetic lottery, whatever makes them look fabulous. And we're feeling, you know, that we have a deficit of some kind. We can still step away from that and through exercises that like Diana's teaching and, you know, and work like that, you can recognize them, block things that bother you, take all of those steps. When we rely on Editing ourselves, we are creating an idealized version of ourselves that does not exist in reality. And so we're now comparing ourselves with the ultimate unattainable goal. And when we leave social media and we look in the mirror, we're back to reality. So it really can heighten and undermine your sense of identity and your sense of self and your sense of self esteem because you've now just changed the the basis of comparison for your entire world. So it I you know I know people do it and you know if it's if you do it with intention and you're aware, but I'll tell you it is a slippery slope because the cosmetic industry would not be so successful if we all weren't interested in a little face tuning. So just beware of what is altering reality and how that has long-term effects.
0: Yeah. And that's a great point. What's paying for all this? Advertising. That's the whole purpose that we have all these things is to sell whatever. And in this case, a lot of cosmetics, plastic surgery, all of that stuff. And I realized as you're talking, Pam, we're really talking about two things here that kids need to grapple with. And all of us need to grapple with is, you know, the, the looking at other perfect images and comparing yourself to that is one. And the second thing is looking at someone having a great life and living this Unattainable, you know, whatever, and not being able to live that same great life. So those are really two really tough things for kids to grapple with. And um, I was just remembering that we also do a lesson for the second problem there about what's behind the screen, and it's really fun. You could do this with your kids at home. But we have kids draw their avatars and the things they post, let's say, on whatever social network they use on a piece on a piece of cardboard. This is what they show to the world, and on the back they turn it over and say, "Okay, what are you hiding from social media?" And I have the kids write three things. Um, And then we collect the cards and we read their words aloud. And it's striking to me how many kids write down they're hiding, feeling not good enough, feeling not pretty enough, feeling not skinny enough. That's how kids are feeling. And it's pretty universal. But when you read those aloud to a room full of kids and they realize they're all kind of feeling the same way, it's like, okay, this is like, what are we going to do about this? This is normal. I'm not the only one. So that's another great activity. It might not be as useful in at home with one kid, but it works great in a classroom of kids.
1: Right. Well, you know, one thing exercise that really does work at home is what they call the positivity ratio. Is you get in the habit. Now they recommend doing this before before bed, but you might want to say, "What's let's, let's do this as the first after school activity. What three good things happened today?" So that you're really focusing on positives, you know, what, you know, if they say, oh, I just, you know, I lost my thing. Well, was there something good that happened in all of that? So that you're really focusing on changing the way the brain thinks about the day. And what you're really after is to increase the number of positive things people think about relative to the negative. Now, one effective way of doing it is saying, "Okay, and what are you working on or what is it that you want to change so that they don't think you're just being Pollyanna, but you're still got a three to one positive to negative ratio that has been shown empirically to change self-esteem, improve self-esteem over time if you do it on a regular basis, because it really does rewire your brain and change the way you think. That's such a great
0: activity, Pam. I, I I'm so happy that you shared that, and I'm gonna try to remember to put that in the show notes in a couple of days because I think that's a really simple thing. Because we have to remember our kids are dealing with a lot when they go online, especially on on apps like Instagram. Uh, what we haven't touched on too much here are influencers. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cite two really terrible studies that I found. Sorry, <laughs> but and they're probably completely wrong, but something like 83% of kids want to be an influencer. It's like the number one career choice ahead of doctor and whatever used to be lawyers, whatever. So don't quote me on those numbers or the research because I did not have time to look into. see. I mean, I'm going to give them to Pam to read them to make sure that they're good pieces of research. But the bottom line is our kids are enthralled with influencers. That's what a lot of them follow on Instagram. They want to be like them. And more than that, they see that they're making money. It's a great lifestyle. I want to attain that lifestyle. So. That would be another conversation I would encourage parents to have with their kids. What does it really mean to be an influencer? Is it worth it? You're going to, have to lose a lot of privacy. On top of that, what percentage of people really attain any kind of success being an influencer? It's a very small percentage. Very um, small. That's a great conversation to have. And ask your kids who they're following. I do this with students, and man, they threw out so many names I had never heard of. I had to go home and Google them all to see who they were do that with your own kids. These are these are people that they turn to online to learn how to live their lives, get suggestions on what to do, what to buy, how to be. It's important that you know who is influencing your child. So, at the very least, ask them who are the influencers they follow on all these different social media networks.
1: That's that's so important because, you know, you always say you know who your kids friends are. These are your kids friends. They have they feel an emotional connection from hanging out literally with these people on social media. Social media is unique in that people speak, you know, unlike, you know, movies, the influencers are speaking right to the camera, they're speaking right to the kid, and they're interacting with them in the comments. So it it really does feel like it's a friend, like it's a trusted acquaintance, and that makes them very influential. So know your kids' online friends. And influencers. Yeah.
0: And, and that's the other thing I would say is, you know, kids can curate. They know this already. They can curate their Instagram feeds to get more of things that, that feed them and make them feel good about themselves. It's pretty interesting. There's two really big I'm talking about influencers, but two accounts on Instagram that um, are kind of anti Facetune accounts. And I find that really interesting. And Aries, maybe you could show them real quickly. Um, But this might be fun for kids to follow if you find it your child is really feeling like inadequate compared to the images they're seeing all the time on their Instagram account. You might suggest that they follow the first is called social media diversity. Oh, I'm sorry, social media versus reality. You can see it there on the screen. Um, 263k followers. But what this account does, it shows the reality versus what they're seeing on their Instagram feed, which is pretty stark in a lot of these cases. So that's a really good one. The other one is called at faults at beauty.faults, another one that has 1.1 million followers. She kind of does the same thing, but it shows the before and afters, pre facetune post-facetune images. So you know it's fun to look at those with your child. This is a lot of what our lesson that I'm going to send you today will do and it give you talking points and things that you can discuss with your children. But you know, it pulls back the curtain and they can see that, you know, even people that we think look perfect have their imperfections that they can easily hide on places like Instagram.
1: Yeah. And what I love about your lessons is is that it creates a situation that actually challenges the belief that the child held or causes them to question it. Um, I don't know how many people noticed, but about, I guess, a few weeks ago, CVS ran, uh, an Instagram and Snapchat challenge that they called Filter Detox. And so they were challenging people to go for 10 days without using a filter. And I'm immensely curious, first of all, how many people took that up. But the thought process that go through, if you were going to use the filter and you had to stop and think about, should you do the challenge? What is it like to not use the filter? That's a great exercise to do with your kids and, you know, and do it with them or keep track of the social media both of you and compare so that you have some way of connecting your experience with theirs. So any of those things that that allow a kid to see this world from a different vantage question what's go- the reality of it uh, is it can be very, very helpful. Exactly.
0: And Aries, I think we have a question. Saw a question pop up.
1: Yeah. So there was just a concern about, you know, some of these influencers maybe exposing kids to glorifying negative imagery, like drug use or self harm. Um, So if if you could speak to
0: that, that would be great. You know, I'm glad someone brought that up because I, I've actually looked up some things that I was concerned about this morning on Instagram, uh, references to body image or anorexia or self harm or cutting and all that. Uh, One thing that Instagram has done, if you look up any of those related hashtags, you'll immediately get a pop up window that will try to direct you to a place where you can get help. So I think that's a huge positive uh, thing that Instagram has done. Hopefully it will make a difference to these kids um, because there are a lot of harmful hashtags that kids will follow and that will put them down the rabbit hole. So two things there, there's now that pop up that comes up. And number two, find out what it is they're looking at and have that discussion because Again, if they're looking at things like self-harm, they're going to get more of that kind of stuff in their algorithm that's not going to be beneficial to them at all.
1: Well, and not only that, but if some you see something frequently, you start to think that's a normal behavior. So if they're seeing a lot of depression or self-harm or negative media, that's as detrimental as seeing a lot of positive media can be positive so that's that conversation it has to be really is really important to have them understand that they're they're being fed they're being manipulated and no kid really likes to be manipulated so often that's a nice turning point mm-hmm. and and before we leave
0: all of these questions there was one that we missed that someone asked is it ever okay for your child to edit their own images i think we agree on the answer to that one <laughs>
1: I mean, sure. It's okay. You know, the, the, idea is that it's with intention and that you're having, you have a conversation. I mean, because we always say, well, what are our takeaways? Well, our, our always our top takeaway is talk early, talk often, establish that bridge of trust so that you understand what's going on in their brain. Cause that's the only way that you can, you know, connect with them in ways that will help guide them to the direction you want them to go.
0: Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, some kids like to edit themselves to look funny. And that's sort of what they do on Snapchat. Snapchat has great filters. You can make yourself look ridiculous and silly. And some people do that on Instagram as well. So, again, it's very specific to child. Um, Don't put a, you know, no editing is not the right answer. It's like, how are you editing? Are you over editing? Are you believing other people's edits is the
1: conversation you want to have? Right. Yes. What is too much editing? All those kinds of questions where you're sort of chewing around the edges of an issue really help kids think about uh, the positives and negatives of something.
0: Yeah. So I want to finish as we always do with our takeaways here. Um, you know, what can we do? What can parents do? And I think Pam summed it up already, you know, talk, talk often, talk early, never stop talking number one. Um, but the other thing, and I, I see this every week is like the entry point to social media really should not be younger than 13. It's, this is a lot for young kids to try to figure out. They just don't have the ethical and critical thinking skills in place and it's not their fault. They're just, their brain isn't there yet. So if you can delay, 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 um, I don't think Instagram should do an Instagram for kids. I don't know how they're going to solve this problem well enough to make it a safe place for kids under 13. So advocate for that. We've held it off pretty good, but there's places you can advocate to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, what are also some of our takeaways Pam?
1: Well, I I guess the the other one that we that are one of our standard takeaways is, is train your kids to really ask questions when they see something so that they don't automatically just buy in. So they're asking, well, who benefits from this? What is what are they trying to tell me? What are they trying to get me to do? So that they at least are starting to think about that. Um, You know, and then I always advocate for uh, keeping a social media journal for a few days, if you have concerns, or if you're on Facebook too much. Keep track for a few days of what you're doing and how it makes you feel because you can curate, as Diane said, you can curate what's coming your way and make the entire experience much more positive and supportive of uh, of your goals. Yeah.
0: And I would say don't expect social media companies to be the one protecting your child. Uh, I think a child has to learn how to protect themselves. Even you cannot be there every second of the day or know everything they're doing online. So education in media literacy is so absolutely important. So also advocate for that. Um, I don't think Congress passing legislation is going to happen anytime soon. I mean, I was disheartened. I watched part of the hearings and I watched that one Senator Blumenthal, I think it was, telling Facebook they had to get rid of uh, the the uh, Finstas. Like, what? <laughs> the question was so out of left field and just represented such little knowledge of how social media works. So we have a long way to go before Congress is going to know how to legislate. So don't wait; it's going to be too late for your children. Um, you've got to equip your kids in other ways.
1: Well, and it would be impossible anyway. In other words, how are they going to detect, you know, every piece of edited image or every, you know, I mean, it's just it just isn't feasible. No matter how many positive changes they try and make, and you know, the government is always legislating in the rearview mirror and if they clamp down on something there'll be a new a new app and the your kids skills have to move with them they really need to be prepared yeah
0: and i see that someone asked about the age for ig is that correct arius and you answered 13 which is the right answer legally but you know not every kid is going to be ready at 13 either so i think you need to assess your own child and and be aware of um, all the thinking that will need to happen if they go on instagram and assess if that is the right age for your own personal child.
1: Yeah. Who do they want to see? Why are they on it? What are they hoping to get out of it? Yeah. I mean, sometimes kids want to create content and they want to like show how they can build up you know, model airplanes or something like that, which is, which is a very positive thing. Right. So you just need to to make an assessment of, of what are the goals of your child for wanting this and, and where they're going to be hanging out on it. Exactly. And,
0: and, and I think, you know, for me, the wrap-up would really be ask who they're following and what what they're looking at on Instagram because it's interesting. I mean, you could share what you're following and what you're doing on Instagram and you could have a nice conversation around that. So again, there's no substitute for talking. All right. Any last words? Any last questions?
1: No, my last question is, what are we
0: going to talk about next time? That's oh, my question. thank you for reminding me. I wrote it down. Um, what's on your child's gift list? Is your child really ready for a cell phone? So we'll talk about not only cell phones, but all kinds of technology. Um, and that will help answer the question if your child's ready for Instagram as well. Yeah, so,
1: Your child is ready for the connected life.
0: Yes, there's a lot to ask yourself. So we'll talk about that next time. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Arias, for, as always, taking care of all of our notes, keeping us on track
1: my pleasure
0: thank you you, Pam so much for your time and knowledge so appreciated I love I love this all right and um this will be posted on our website in a couple of days you'll get the link uh, via your follow-up email and thank you so much for taking the time to join us today good luck out there (laughs) take care thanks guys